I'm here today specifically to remind you that Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. Even when Jesus was physically walking the earth, people were asking, when is it going to happen? I've got a number of scriptures that I want to share with you this morning. Matthew 24, verse number 3 through 5, it says, As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered this. He didn't come right out and answer their question, but what he said was this is, watch out that no one deceives you. Watch out that no one deceives you. When are you going to come back? His answer, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. There are many people today that come saying that they have the answer and they pretend to be followers of Christ, even leaders in churches, but they are not following the Scriptures. Jesus was indeed giving a preview of many events, some of which have occurred and some that have not, leading up to His return at the end of this age. In order to grasp the fullness of the context, Jesus interwove two different occurrences that will have eternal impact on every person that has ever lived. The first occurrence was the rapture of the church. I've read this passage of Scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4.13, as I'm sure Pastor Bill has at many. I've preached it in services. I have read this Scripture at many gravesites of Christians and believers. I don't get the opportunity much to read it for someone who doesn't have a hope because they didn't make a choice to follow Christ. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive and are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, the King James says, with a shout. With the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. See, the rapture is not some far-out fairy tale. It's only a passing thought in Scripture. It's, meant, it's not meant to be skimmed over. It's, it is a reality that is relevant 
to everyone that has ever lived and everyone who is living today. The word rapture is, from the, is derived from the Latin word raptu, which means caught away or caught up. This Latin word is equivalent to the Greek word harpazo, translated as caught up in verse 17. The, this event described here and in 1 Corinthians 15 refers to the catching up of the church from the earth to meet the Lord in the air and will only be for those faithful who have committed their lives to following Jesus Christ. That's really what it's for. That's only the people who will go. Your ticket to heaven is having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming very soon and we must be looking for Him with great expectancy and anticipation for He will return to collect His saints for that great meeting in the air that we just read about. That old hymn, there is going to be a meeting in the air in the sweet, sweet by and by. There is not a single solitary scripture that must be fulfilled before the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ takes place. It can happen today, and if it doesn't happen today, we should look for it tomorrow. The danger that the church world today faces is a spiritual slumber that they have been um, lulled into this uh, false sense of security, if you will, of thinking that everything's all right. The second occurrence that Jesus was talking about was the second coming of Christ. We talked about the rapture of the church. Now we talk about the second coming of Christ where Jesus will come back to this earth seven years after the raptured saints are taken away and the great tribulation, that duration is seven years, He will bring back the believers with Him that were raptured seven years earlier as that final battle to overthrow the Antichrist and all of those on earth who have aligned themselves with Him. Revelation 17, 14 says, They, talking about the kings and with the beast or the Antichrist, will wage war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will triumph over them because He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and with Him will be His called, chosen, faithful followers. That's us, church. Those of you who have believed in Jesus Christ and trusted Him and have been and will have been raptured away will come back with Christ. Revelation 19.13 says this, He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and His name is the Word of God. That robe dipped in blood is significant because it is the blood of the Lamb, the blood that has caused us to be able to be free. The armies of heaven were following Him, riding on white horses. You may not have ever ridden a horse in your life, but you'll ride one then if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Riding white horses dressed in fine linen, white and clean. We are the ones that are going to be dressed in pure white, riding on white horses, which is a symbol of the purity of the blood of Jesus Christ applied to our lives, that we are spotless without wrinkle, without blemish, as we have presented ourselves to the Lamb, the King of kings, coming out of His mouth as a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. The sword is the Word of God that comes out of His mouth, and it says He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. 
Judgment is coming to this earth for the ungodly and those who will not follow Jesus Christ. Church, we are living in the last days, even though you may think, I've heard it all before, preacher. This is nothing new. This message has been going around for years and years. I've heard people talk about it for a long time. What's the big deal? Either the Word of God is true or it isn't. What if you live your life as if the Bible doesn't matter? And if the Bible really is true, and I know that it is, then you've lost everything. You've lost everything. If you choose to believe that the Word of God is not true, and it's undisputed that it is. Josh McDowell, who was not a follower of Jesus Christ, set out to disprove the authenticity of Scripture and became a believer. I have a book of his that's 700 and some pages long. And uh, when I was preparing for this message, I thought about this and I found some information in his book that's entitled The New Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And this is what Josh McDowell wrote. He said, there are five, more than 5,686 known Greek manuscripts of the New Testament. Add over 10,000 Latin Vulgate and at least 9,300 other early versions. And we have close to, if not more than, 25,000 manuscripts, manuscript copies of portions of the New Testament in existence today. No other document of antiquity even begins to approach such numbers and attestation. In comparison, Homer's Iliad, which has been embraced as authentic, is this is only has 643 manuscripts that still survive. Think about that. Floyd Hamilton in the base, Basis of Christian Faith, a modern defense for the Christian religion, writes, Canon Lydon is the authority for the statement that there are in the Old Testament 332 distinct predictions which were literally fulfilled in Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, 332 at least that were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 1, 1 through 4. Peter says this. Simon Peter, a servant of the apostle of Jesus Christ. This is who he's writing this to. To those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a precious faith as ours. So who's he writing it to? To those who through... Go back to that previous verse, Tammy. To those... Who have through who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Christ, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. That's us. If you've received a precious faith of God through Jesus Christ, He's writing this to us, to you. Verse 2: Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. 
Through these he has given us a great, a very great and his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption of the world in the world caused by evil desire so we have the ability to escape the world and its corruption because of the promises of the Lord and we have escaped that because of his own goodness and glory down to verse 16. I didn't want to read all of it because of time. Down to verse 16. It says this. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. And I want you to hear this. But we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. I want to stop right there. We were eyewitnesses of His majesty. Now what happens when there is an occurrence or an incident and law enforcement has to take a report? They go and they find people that saw what happened, that heard what happened, that have a clue so that they can get the full picture of exactly what happened. That's what this Bible is and the four Gospels that we find and the writings throughout. There are people who were eyewitnesses to what happened? And that's what Peter says, that we were eyewitnesses. He's telling us, he says, this is written to you, but I want you to know that I saw this firsthand. I'm not telling you a story that I heard from somebody who heard it from somebody else who heard it from somebody else. I'm telling you, I was there. I'm an eyewitness. How many ever played the game, maybe when you were young, where you're all sitting around in a circle and, and you, you whisper one thing, and it goes all the way around. And when it comes back around, it's nothing like what it started out to be. When I hired on with my company, the company I worked for, um, they, they did this, but they, they filmed it. And uh, it was really amazing. There was 15 of us. There were 15 of us there. And uh, they had somebody who read a news article that was a couple of paragraphs long to somebody. And they, they videoed this. And he says, I want you to tell this to the next person. And so the next person would come in and he would tell it. And then the, the first person would go out and a third person would come in. The second would tell it to the third. And they went all the way through. That story kept getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And then at the end, somewhere in the middle, we found out the culprit who actually introduced stuff that was never actually in the story to begin with. It was like they made stuff up and just put it in there. But it would be like, here's the article. This is a first-hand account of what was seen and what was heard. So we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. Verse 17. He received glory and honor from God the Father when the voice came to Him from the majestic glory saying, This is my Son whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. Verse 19. We also have the prophetic message as something completely, everybody say completely, completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it. Doesn't that sound like something you could use with one of your children or your grandchildren? You would, you would be better served. You'd be better off if you just listened to what I'm telling you. Yeah. I want you to listen to me. You, it says, 
You would do well to pay attention to it. And here is why. As to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. So the light of Jesus Christ shines in our heart, the dark place where sin was, and it stays there, the light of Christ stays there, until the day dawns, which is the day when Jesus comes back, and the morning star rises in our hearts, and we not only rise up in our hearts to to meet Him, but literally meet Him in the air. Above all, verse 20, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. He's telling us these what you read in your Bible didn't just come up because somebody just sat under a tree somewhere and said, well, let me see what kind of story I can fabricate today and write it down for people to believe. No, he says this, for prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets through though human spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Today we know that many have been deceived into a false sense of security and believe that I'm okay, you're okay, and we're all okay, and everything's going to be okay. Just just chill. It's all right. Peter goes on to write in 2 Peter verse chapter 3, verses 3 through 10, he says this, Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. How many remember the story of Noah? That's what he's talking about. By the same word, the present heavens and the earth, the heavens and the earth as we know them now, are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. Here it is again. Pay attention. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. We don't count time the way that God counts time. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. In a similar way, he compares what happened with Noah and the flood to what's going to happen with the fire and the present earth and the present heavens. The same God, you know, where is the sign of His coming? Nothing has changed, people will say. But the same God that flooded the earth will destroy it or renovate it or purify it from all sin and evil and the ungodly will be destroyed after the rapture and the great tribulation. Verse 9 tells us the reason why He delays judgment is because He is patient that all will come to repentance. Repentance. 
which is a turn away from evil. He's giving mankind every opportunity. He gives you every opportunity. Every roadblock and barrier spiritually He puts in your way and says stop what you're doing. If you're listening to this message today and you're not right with God, He's using this message as a means to tell you that you need to repent and turn away from the ungodliness in your life and turn toward Jesus Christ. This message was for those who would be living during the great tribulation period after the rapture of the church. Encourage everyone that you can. Tell them don't wait until after the rapture of the church to try to serve Him. Don't wait until it's too late. If you think... When today, when you have a free will to say, I will follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And you have the godly influence that is around us for godly people. What do you think it's going to be like when the church is not even here anymore? That we have been ushered away in that great meeting in the air. And then you're surrounded by wickedness that has been unleashed. But the kingdom of darkness and the devil and his imps and the Antichrist as he comes to set up what what is going to be a temporary rule over this planet. 2 Peter 3, 12 and 13 says, Because of the incredible wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Stand firm in your faith, church. Don't ever get discouraged in your faith. Don't ever get discouraged in your faith. I've had people tell me that they've had such difficulties that have gone on. They've had such tragic tragic circumstances that have gone on that they have thought, I I don't know what's the use. Why am I even... Listen, let me tell you something. Everyone is going to go through difficult times. Everyone is going to go through difficult circumstances. None of us are immune from life's difficulties and life's challenges. But I know this, I would much rather go through life's challenges with Jesus Christ than without Him. Because I know that when I have Him with me, He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother ever could. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And He has supreme authority. He is sovereign. He is the one that I can put my trust in. And when everybody else will let you down. Jesus will never let you down. He will be there. Your anchor, the anchor of the soul that will be there throughout eternity and He will keep you from every breath of every day to the last breath that you draw whenever you go to the other side when you go to heaven or whenever whenever He comes back for His church. One of the two is going to happen. Every one of us barring the rapture of the church We'll die. We'll have a moment when we'll draw our last breath. It will happen. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasure is not here. People try to build up treasure for themselves and build up things. May I tell you that after I heard somebody else say that they've never seen a U-Haul attached to a hearse. Because you can't take it with you. You're going to leave it for somebody else. You're not going to take it with you. The only thing that you will take with you is your relationship with Jesus Christ or not if you choose to not follow Him. The only thing that you leave is something that has eternal impact. 
Absolutely. There are memories attached to some things that have significance. I remember Sister Joyce Vaughn who had terminal cancer. Great woman of God. And she kind of, I think, made her children feel uneasy because she planned her funeral while she was still living. I mean, she was going through the details. She was writing out the last six months of her life. You know, she couldn't get out much. But she was, she was writing down things that she wanted her children and her grandchildren to have. I want you to take this and this. You know, she's just basically giving her stuff away. And she's still alive, you know. And they're there. I remember going to see her. We went to see her at her house. And she told me, she says, she says, you know, I didn't know that certain things meant a lot to people. And she said that one of her sons, she was asking, she says, is there anything specifically that means a lot to you that you want? And I'll write it down to make sure that you get it. And one of her sons says, well, you have a cup, you have a set of Pepsi Cola salt and pepper shakers. And I would really like that because of the memory attached to that. And she thought it was, you know, she would never have imagined that it meant so much to him. But as much as we can attach ourselves to things and the memories of things, they're just made up of material stuff. The thing that really makes the difference is the memories that you have right here. And the memories that you leave with someone else. People want relationships. Stuff is secondary to relationships. Parents have tried to buy the love of their children through stuff. But all they really want is a relationship. And I tell you that none of our stuff impresses the Lord. All he really wants is a relationship. He wants us. All of our heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. My stuff, I don't care about. Sure, we have stuff that we can use and enjoy while we're here. We're caretakers of it. But the most important thing would be the relationship with Jesus Christ and the testimony that it points someone else to Him. When my time comes, I can appreciate the fact if someone says he was a conscientious employee, but I can care less about that. What I really care about was, is, did I show Jesus Christ? Yes. Did my life show Jesus Christ? Yes. I've got to move on. What did Jesus say about coming back? Revelation 22, verse 7. Revelation, easy to find, last book of your Bible. He says, look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. Those are the words of Jesus. 
And then John goes on to say, he said, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down at the feet to worship, fell, fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of this scroll. And then he says this, worship God. Don't place your worship on anything else, but worship God. You don't worship the messenger, you worship God. Then he told me, do not seal up the words of this prophecy of this scroll. And he says, why? Because the time is near. Don't seal it up. Don't hide this word, this message away, because the time is near. This message, this word must get out. And I'm letting it out today and publicizing the fact that Jesus is coming. In verse 11, he says, let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. There are people that are going to choose to do wrong and won't change their minds. We can't change them. Just let them do whatever they're going to do. But tell the message to them. Let the vile person continue to be vile. There are people who are going to be wicked, evil, just full of vulgarity and, and full of, of hatred and full of all kinds of stuff. Just share the message with them. You can't change them, but you can share the message with them. And then he says, and let the holy person continue to be holy. So those people that are holy... When you have been separated to the Lord, don't ever stop being holy because you've been influenced by the message. Go ahead, continue to be holy. And then Jesus goes on to say in verse 12, he says, look, I'm coming soon. Jesus said this, look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me. He says, when I come, I'm ready to Dole out the rewards because I will give to every person according to what they have done. Not what they have thought. Not what they have intended, but what they've actually done. Well, Pastor, I really haven't done much for God. It's not too late as long as you have breath in your lungs. As long as you have ability, you can do something for Jesus Christ. Oh, well, I can't get up and stand. It makes no difference. Listen, just because I get up here and stand doesn't mean that you have to. There are people that we don't even know about. People who, who are intercessors in prayer. People who call people and contact people. There are different gifts and there are different abilities. And God recognizes that. Whether you can talk in a crowd makes no difference at all. But what makes a difference is that we are all doing something for the kingdom of God. And some people may think, well, that doesn't seem like much. Let me tell you something. Everything that you do is much. Little is much when God is in it. Little is much. I will give to each person, a person according to what they have done. And then he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Meaning that from the very beginning of time, to the end of the ages. He is the first and foremost. He is the first 
And he is the last. He was there at creation. He'll be there throughout eternity. He is at the first part of your relationship with God and he will carry you all the way through your relationship with God from the first moment that you put your trust, faith, hope, and confidence in him until the very last moment of your time on earth. He will be there for you. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates of the city. Blessed are those who wash their robes. Meaning that you are covered, you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. If you have washed your robe, if you have, if you have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, you, are, you have the right then to the tree of life and you can go through the gates of the city. Outside, meaning that outside of the fellowship of God are the dogs and those who practice magic arts and the sexually immoral, the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Those are the people that didn't make it. And then he says this in verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for who? For the churches. For the churches that believe in Jesus Christ. That's what this message is. I am the root and the offspring of David. The promised one. One of the prophecies that was fulfilled that we talked about a while ago. And he said, and the bright and morning star. There is no more brightness than the brightness of Jesus Christ. And when he is a part of your life and you have trusted in him, he is that star that dispels every bit of darkness. Brighter than the noonday sun. He is the bright and morning star. Verse 17. The spirit and the bride. The bride is the church. Say come. That should be the prayer of our heart church. And let the one who hears. Let us who hear this message say come. Lord Jesus come. Let the one who is thirsty come. If you're thirsty and you're hungry for the returning of the Lord, say come. And let the one who wishes to take freely of the free gift of the water of life. You may think things are going difficult here. And maybe you have a, a, a tragic thing that you're going through right now. A harsh reality that you live in every day. But there is coming a day because He is your bright and morning star. Jesus is coming very soon. And you will drink from that water of the river of life. You will eat from the tree that He has promised us because He said so in His Word. You can take this Word to the bank and you can count on it. And then He says, I warn everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this scroll. If any... If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from the scrolls of this prophecy, God will take away from that person any share of the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this scroll. He who testified in the last words of Jesus in your Bible say, Yes! I am coming soon. I am coming soon. I am coming soon, Jesus says. Amen, which means so be it. Come, Lord Jesus. And then John Crook closes this out. He says, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Let the God's unmerited favor be with God's people. Amen. 
so be it. And I want to close with this verse today from James 5, verses 7 and 8. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crops patiently, waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm. Because the Lord's coming is near. Jesus is coming soon. His coming is near. Get ready. Don't wait until it's too late. Repent now and turn away from your sin and accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life right now. There's no better time than right now. Let's bow for prayer. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the reminder that you are coming soon. Jesus, the last words that are recorded in the Bible that you spoke, that you are coming soon. Lord, we want to make sure everything is right on the inside. And Holy Spirit, for those who are here today or listening or watching that may not have a relationship with you, first and foremost, I know that you're doing a tremendous work. And we ask God that you would just allow them to sense the urgency of this time. As we see the signs of the times that are very near showing us that the chaos in this world will come to an end. And that your coming is very near. Father, I just ask right now and I pray this prayer with those All that's required according to your word is that we believe that God raised Jesus from the dead in our hearts and that he is Lord, that we confess that he is Lord. We repent of our sins and we're saved and we do that right now. God, we ask you to forgive us of all the wrong things that we have done. It doesn't mean that things will automatically maybe get better in our situation and our circumstances. But what it means is that, Lord, as I trust you with my life, I trust you for salvation. And I trust you to be there with me every step of the way. And your word guarantees that as I commit my heart and my life to you. Lord, I don't know where else to turn, but I know that I can turn to you. I curse that spirit of suicide. I curse that spirit of of oppression. I curse that spirit of darkness right now because you told us that you are the morning star, the bright morning star that will shine through and eradicate all of the cloud of darkness that is surrounding us as we trust in you and you shed your light, your grace and your mercy upon our lives. We trust you and we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. And Lord, for all of those who maybe have a relationship with you, but yet things haven't been. Lord, just to be candidly and blunt, they've been hell. Demonic. (coughs) Seemingly from every side, and there doesn't seem to be freedom. Jesus, you're here to remind us today 
that you free from every chain, you free from every perceived bondage. And because we have made the decision to make you Lord and Savior of our life, the devil has no place there. He has no authority. And we come against him in the name of Jesus, binding him and casting him away and believing with this fellowship of believers today that you will return peace and joy into our hearts as only you can. I thank you for that today. I thank you for the constancy and the consistency of your word. In the name of Jesus, we praise you for it right now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Jesus is coming soon, church. Let's live like he is coming soon. Let's share the message of the goodness of the gospel to everyone. The most important things that you can do, and I have said these for years, is to make sure that you pray on a daily basis. That you read the Word of God for yourself. Don't just listen to what somebody else says that it says, but read it for yourself. And not only that, but fellowship with other believers. It's important for you to have the fellowship of other believers who will encourage you. I've had people tell me, well, I don't want to go to church because I've, had, I've been hurt at church. Other churches have hurt me. They've said things bad about me. They have, they, have, uh, uh, they have looked down on me. They have done all of these things. Can I tell you that just because someone did something bad to you does not mean they're a representation of Jesus Christ. That is not what church is supposed to be. That's not what a child of God is supposed to be. I've also said this, you've got to have thick skin to be a Christian. If you're living according to the word of God, then no one else has any word of criticism to stand on because you're not condemned as long. You're not ever condemned, but there's no reproach on your life if you're living according to the word of God. There's just not. You trust God. How many of you have ever worked with jerks? You've encountered jerks in the marketplace. They are in lots of places and sometimes there are some that manage to come through the doors of the church. Don't base your opinion on everyone upon just a few people. We're supposed to encourage each other and I want you to realize that's what we're here for. Amen.